0: Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message.
1: Like Pastor Dave mentioned, I am uh, Andrew Pitts. Uh, yes, I know my last name's Pitts. It's a whole thing, right? Um, <laughs> But uh, Monica, my wife and I and my children, we are the campus pastors at the Warren campus and we are uh, excited that we are launching our services in January. So we are the second church plant from Rock of Grace. So we're looking forward to that and kind of being a light in downtown Warren. That's something to get excited about. Uh, but I'm excited. It's Independence Day. It's uh, someone would say Murica Day. Um, I hopefully you have some plans this afternoon. The weather is going to be beautiful from what I hear. Um, And just in case you want to know, I'm a uh, how I build my burger. I'm a meat down kind of guy and then everything else on top. All right. So everything but onions. Onions just I don't know. I like cook. Well, I know. I know. Right. I like cooked onions, but not like raw onions because that just if you cry while you cut them, I don't know that you should be eating them. Just, just some thoughts to think about. Um, I am going to be really conscious about the time because we have little ones in here this morning and they are not interested in anything I have to say and that is more than okay with me. Uh, but uh, if you did get a chance, there was uh, we did put a uh, bingo game out there. If, if they pay attention and, and get five in a row, we do have some prizes for them. So see either myself or my wife, Monica, before you head out today. She's the lady in the front row. Uh, and we will put some prizes in your hands. Uh, but I want to share with you uh, for the next little while, um, kind of uh, in this series called "Why We Plant Churches," it's it's one of the big visions at Rock of Grace. Uh, that's that's why Rock of Grace Courtland exists uh, because uh, it is in our pastor Jordan Beal's heart to plant churches and transform Trumbull. The overall vision is 10 churches in 10 years, uh, which is a lofty goal. And the reason I know that God's in it is because uh, if it was something we could accomplish on our own, uh, then God's probably not a part of it. But anytime there is a vision that is given that is bigger than what we have the capacity to do on our own, there's a good possibility that God is involved in it and wants to use us to help fulfill it. Amen. So uh, I'm one of those kind of preachers that you can amen and talk to. Actually, it will help me go quicker. So if you have hopes of getting to a picnic or something uh, this afternoon, the more you amen me, whether you like it or not, you don't have to like what I say. Just amen it. We'll get out of here faster. Amen. So I want to preach to you a message for the next little while on the idea of home. Um, if you've ever been to anybody ever go to Hobby Lobby or like uh, any of those stores like Kirkland's or Michael's or so they have these sections that um, uh, are, are overly priced, um, but they have all of this like you know, uh, artwork and all of these catchy sayings like home is where your heart is, right? How to make a house a home and all of this different stuff. And we all buy it and we all throw it on our walls, right? But I don't know that we ever really give thought to the significance of what it means to create a home uh, with respect to uh, the church. I had never thought of it before I started putting this message together, Uh, but the idea that we want to take a a group of diverse people from all walks of life with each having individual and different experiences uh, and and bring them together under one idea of worshiping God can be a pretty daunting task. Wouldn't you agree? You know, uh, you have your story, I have my story, and I'm going to share a little bit of it as we talk this morning, Uh, but we all have an experience, uh, and if I fall off this, just leave me here, okay? Because I have a tendency to just get real close and not realize it. And if I tumble, just we'll start again next Sunday. Um, but we all have this experience that, that we bring into the house this morning. Your childhood was not my childhood. My childhood was not your childhood. Uh, my life is not your life now. We all have this, this, this individualism that we're bringing together. And we're coming together to unify under the worship of Christ, right? That's why the church gathers, to, to worship Jesus, to be equipped for the ministry, to be challenged and convicted by the Holy Spirit, and to go out and do the work that God has called us to do. The difficulty in that is trying to build a community out of individualism. And that's why the church is such a beautiful thing, because it brings people together who may not spend much time together otherwise. And God in that creates an opportunity for us to take what we would consider just a room full of individuals and make it into a family that can come to a home together. Amen? So uh, the way we accomplish that is through this idea I call changing it up. Uh, change it up. And if you're taking notes, you want to write that down because uh, if we're all honest, we all have a routine that we all do every single day. How many of you would say you have a routine that you participate in every single day? Like roll out of bed, figure out where you're at in your room. Like, where am I? Right. Get up, use the restroom, shower, teeth, clothes, work, home, dinner, kids, and anything in between. Is there kind of a routine that you operate from? Uh, I do. I get out of bed and I'm like, where am I? Right. And I I shower, I get ready for the day, I brush my teeth, I throw on the all-important deodorant because you don't want to stink, right? I go downstairs, and I've recently become addicted to coffee. Um, Coffee is a beautiful thing, but it is very addictive also. So my wife is gracious enough. We got one of those, um, oh, what is it, iced coffee makers. So not only does it produce coffee, but it's nice and cold. And so I have to have coffee to function apparently now. And And then I begin my day. The problem is, is when we get locked into a routine, even as simple as how we address the day, it can bleed over into how we approach the spiritual things that God has called us to in our life. And it can, in us, it can create a complacency and a stagnant uh, attitude towards the movement that God wants us to take. See, what you'll discover about Jesus, what you'll discover about God is that he is always progressive in that he is always moving forward. If you've ever read the Bible, you'll discover in Genesis through Revelation that God is never really standing still for very long. But rather he's brought creation on a journey of uh, what we would call the redemption story all the way through Adam and Eve's first sin. The Levitical sacrificial system of sacrificing animals uh, to atone for our sins with the high priest. And all of that through into the New Testament where we discover Jesus in this relationship idea that God who once seemed distant to us is now uh, drawn close close to us again. When Jesus died, the Bible says the veil was torn in two. What that symbolizes is that the, the, the separation that Adam and Eve instituted through their sin was no more. And that now uh, uh, faith in Christ created a relationship versus a mechanical system where we just kill animals and make sacrifices. So we have this beautiful progressive God who is leading us But in that, we have to be willing to move our thinking and our decision-making in our life in that same journey with Him. If God's over here and you're here, guess what's happening? You're missing what God is doing over there. So in that, we have to change it up and we have to be willing to say, you know what, God, I can see that you're doing something new. I can see that you're doing something that maybe is uncomfortable to me, maybe doesn't make sense to me, maybe is outside of of what I'm used to, but God, I know that if you're in it, then I want to be a part of it, right? If God's in something, then we as believers need to run towards whatever that thing is. And that's why we plant churches this morning. I want to read to you a story uh, out of Luke chapter 15. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, you'll discover in Scripture that Scripture is one giant soap opera. The Bible is one big soap opera, especially in some of the stories in the New Testament. Uh, in this particular instance, uh, we're going to read a story about two brothers and a father who have a little decision to make over some inheritance, and the problems that occur uh, it, with the younger brother demanding what he believes is his. Right? Uh, I always tell people, J.G. Wentworth, you guys ever seen those commercials, you know, it's your money, use it when you need it, right? Uh, would be proud of this guy because he goes to his father, and I'm going to read the story out of Luke 15, and he demands his share of the inheritance. Let's read the story together this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, uh, through, till I stop. <laughs> Jesus continued. It says, there was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I don't know what wild living looks like in Bible days. Use your imagination. Verse 14 says, after he had spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. The Bible says in verse 16 that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20 says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was, a still, uh, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Uh, Let me pray this morning. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active and it is speaking to us. Lord, as as we continue in this message, that you would speak something fresh to us, that you would help us understand the burden of what it means to reach the lost, that you would help us understand that you uh, are the God of redemption, of second chances, even when we get ourselves into a mess. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have this story where you have a, a father who, the Bible doesn't indicate his age, but we, I guess we can assume that he's a little bit advanced in years. Um, and, and in that culture, there was always something that the father would have that would be passed down uh, to his children. Uh, typically the older child would get a larger portion of the inheritance and the uh, younger siblings would follow almost in order. But in this case, the younger son is a little bit, uh, it's almost like he's waiting for his father to die, right? It's like the father's taking out a large life insurance policy and the son's like, oh, if you die now, I can get $3 million, right? And so it's a little bit twisted and morbid because the son is basically going to his father and saying, listen, We've had a good run. We, we've done some awesome things together. Thank you for raising me all of these years. Thank you for, you know, everything you've invested in me. Thank you for the beautiful home and the land and the food and the, everything. You've, you've taken care of me so well, right? And yet the son is going to his father and saying, look, all of that's great. But go ahead and give me what's mine. I don't want to wait for you to die. I, I want it now, Right? And so this, and you can imagine probably the, the grief and, and the, the hurt that the father begins to experience uh, in those moments. Because in his mind, he's invested in his sons. He's taken care of them. He's loved on them. And the son seems like he's not appreciative. So he asks the father and the father agrees. And so he divides up his inheritance and he gives it to each of his boys. Now, the older brother stays with the father, but the Bible says that the younger son uh, heads out to an unknown land, right? Maybe he went to Warren. Maybe he went to Niles. I don't know. Maybe he went to Kinsmen. Who knows? But it says he went out to an unknown land. And he took this beautiful inheritance that the father had worked his life for. And the Bible says that he squandered it on wild living until he had nothing left, right? There's a principle in that, in our understanding this morning that when we operate outside of the will of the Father, we remove the covering that protects us from what the enemy set out to do in our life. And in this context, the Son had l- removed himself from the protection of the household of the Father, And because of that, he has nothing left to show for it, right? So he has no more money. He's alone. He's not with his father. And the Bible begins to indicate how desperate he is. So much so that he hires himself out to a farmer who sends him into the field to feed the pigs. Not to mention that the land he finds himself in is in the middle of a famine. It's not just that he doesn't have resources, but the land that he's in is lacking in water, it's lacking in crops, it's lacking in everything that they would need to sustain life. But yet he finds this willing farmer and the farmer's like, look, the only job I have for you, right, is to feed my pigs, Now, it's interesting that that's the assignment because most theologians would conclude that the story that Jesus is telling his disciples uh, is centered around Jewish culture. Now, if you know anything about Jewish culture, for them to associate with pigs would make them unclean. But this is the state in desperation that this son has found himself in. Does anybody have, uh, maybe you've seen it on TV or watched it in a documentary, but have you ever seen the kind of things that pigs eat? Right? it's not pleasant it's like everything left over right it's it's, i like to think of it as like the things that we put in hot dogs okay on its own you don't want to eat those parts but for whatever reason if we grind it up and we put it in a tube (laughs) right we'll chow down on that all day (laughs) i'm gonna have some hot dogs later right but that's how I kind of think about, like, okay, he's, he's feeding the pigs. It's all the leftover junk. It's all this. And they, then it's like they throw some water on it to liquefy it, because that somehow makes it better. Like, let's slop this up a little bit. And he throws it out there for him. And he's so desperate that even what the pigs are eating begins to become appetizing to him. He's like, that's not so bad. You throw that on the grill, right? And this is the state that he finds himself in. Anybody ever, and and, and I can ask this because I'm gonna share a part of my story in a minute, but there's those rock bottom moments that we find ourselves in sometimes. And sometimes the Lord allows us to hit rock bottom because when you seem like you're at your lowest, the only place to look is up, right? And this is where this this man finds himself in. He's seemingly hit rock bottom, and the only thing left for him to do is look up. And the Bible says in verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses. What a beautiful moment in the middle of despair, if you will. He said, look, even what the servants at my father's house have has got to be better than this, right? Like maybe they have like the Hebrew national hot dogs. Maybe they're all beef, who knows? That's right. Like $6 for four of them. (laughs) But it's totally worth it. Get you some Hebrew National today. That's a plug. They're a sponsor of this church. Um, Anyways, they're not. I'm just kidding. And so he gets up and he's like, look, it's got to be better back home. Right? It's got to be better back home. And so he gets up and he goes back to his father's house. Now, I want to flip the story a little bit. We've been talking about the son. But I want to think about the perspective of the father this morning. See, in that culture, the the father would have held a a specific place of honor. If he was wealthy, like the story in uh, this particular passage indicates, he would have uh, had servants that would have taken care of all of his needs. He would not have had to do very much. Uh, All his food would have been taken care of. If he had land and crops and livestock, all of it would have been tended to. Right? He would have held a place of honor in the family. He would have been the final say and authority on all decisions. Like It was a prestigious place for this father to sit in. Right? Uh, but I can imagine, if you will, the hurt in the father when his son left. Right? And I can imagine daily, this, the father might get up, go about whatever tasks he has, and he may occasionally have looked outside and wondered, is this the day my son comes home? Is this the day the person I love walks back down the road? And, and the reason I can make that statement is because verse 20 says, so he, the son got up and went to his father. It says, but while he was still a long way off, The Bible says his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. What that tells me this morning is that the father was always willing and always looking for the son's return, right? Understand that through Jesus, God the father is always looking for our return, for the, for the people in Cortland's return, for the people in Warren's return. And part of the adjustment we have to make in our mind and our ideology is that the church doesn't exist necessarily so I can come and feel happy and feel encouraged all of the time, although that's a part of it. The main mission of the church is to be empowered to go out and reach those that are far from Christ. And use God using us to, to impact the city that God's planted us in. If Cortland campus is your home, then God has specifically destined and designed and purposed your life to reach the people in Cortland with the message and hope of Jesus Christ. It's an empowerment that comes through the Holy Spirit that says, this is the area that God has called me to, right? And so the father looking for the son, the Bible says is filled with compassion for him. And I love the way Jesus tells this story because he doesn't spare any detail. He could have just said that the father and the son reunited and everything was good. But Jesus specifically puts some details in there that makes us aware of the father's heart. Scripture is so beautiful because Jesus is so specific in this, especially in this passage, about what the Father was willing to do in this context to get his Son. Not only was he looking for his son's return, but the Bible says that he was filled with compassion and that he got up and ran to his son. Now that may not seem significant to you, but if you understand their culture and the fact that the father held such a prestigious place of honor, it would have been rare for him to run for anything. In that culture, people would have been running to him. And he would have held the place of authority. But the father, so desperately wanting his son to return, got up, filled with compassion. Not only did he not, uh, he wasn't willing to wait for his son to get all the way to the door and grovel. He said, that's my son out there. And today he's come home. I got to get to him. So he gets up and he runs and he meets his son before the son gets to the door. Amen? Amen. You can talk in here. It's okay. It's a Pentecostal church. Verse 22 says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. Verse 24 says, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let me back up just a little bit because I don't want to miss this part. The second part of verse 20 says that this, the father was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. And I love it because Jesus makes sure he includes this in the story, that he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, uh, I don't know much about the son, but I know where the son has been, right? Last we heard of the son, he had been working. Uh, he's, he's poor. He's down on his luck. He's in a land that is in a severe famine, right? All of this being true, he's been hired out to work with pigs, and he may or may not have put his face into the pig slop. We don't know. But I promise you, he didn't shower first. I promise you, he didn't put on his best outfit. He didn't uh, throw on the deodorant right? He didn't put the old spice on. He came home expecting to see a father who was disappointed and didn't want him, but willing to grovel for the father's acceptance. And the father runs to him and grabs this dirty down and out son and brings him in and kisses his neck and says, my son who was lost is now found. And they end up having this gigantic celebration you know why we plant churches at Rock of Grace? Because we want to create homes for people who have been lost and down on their luck and down and out, and they need a place to come to where they can be accepted, loved, and introduced to Jesus. That's why you plant churches. That's why Rock of Grace Kinsmen exists. That's why you're here this morning. You didn't come here by accident today. The Holy Spirit brought you here. I don't, believe, I don't like the word coincidence because I don't believe coincidence exists. God orchestrates our steps. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. If God's so in tune with us that he knew us before he formed us and he has numbered every hair on my gray head, then I have this sneaky suspicion that he knows exactly where I am at all times, right? He's big brother before there was big brother, right? He's the eagle eye before there was eagle eye. So you thought you got up this morning, you're like, let's go to church, it's 4th of July, we don't have a picnic till later, right? And God's like, oh, I have you exactly where I want you. You think you came by accident, you didn't. You're here because the Holy Spirit wants you here this morning. This is why we plant churches. Because we want to create a home for the hurting, for the lost, for the broken. We want to create a home for the forgotten, the lonely, the down and out. We want to be a people who say, you know what, I know what you've been through because my story and your story is similar. Why don't you come spend some time with me? Why don't we grab coffee? Why don't we worship together on Sundays? Why don't we join a life group together? Why don't we be a part of a community? Although we're individuals, why don't we come together and worship Jesus from all different walks of life? That's my story this morning. See, I'm the, I, I actually grew up in Northeast Ohio. I don't know if you all know that. I'm from, uh, I grew up in Champion. I graduated class in 2005. Uh, I wore purple and gold because that's the colors of champion. I have no idea why they feel like purple is a good color. It's not. Our football team, my senior year of high school, was 0 in 10. That would imply 0 wins, 10 losses. It, I, was part of, I was not part of the football team because they don't win anything. I was part of the band. We won a lot of things. Do uh, you know how difficult it is to cheer on a team that's not winning a lot? Well, we're Browns fans. We get it. So anyways, <laughs> except for last year. Last year it made me so happy. Like I was like a kid in a candy store. No Pittsburgh, Shh, no Pittsburgh. That, play, that wild card game, though, was pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. But there was still a part of me during that wild card game, like, we're probably gonna lose. We're probably gonna mess this up. I'm so happy we didn't. But I graduated in 2005. My father was an alcoholic. My parents divorced when I was 10. My father drank himself into schizophrenia. So from the time I was like 15 till he passed away when I was 22. He spent his days paranoid, wonder, thinking people were coming to get him locked in an apartment somewhere. People ask me, why do you want to plant a church in Warren? Because it was Warren, and it was the people of Warren that, that took care of me, watched out for me, made sure I was okay. I learned to swim at the y, what used to be the YMCA in downtown Warren. I went to kindergarten at a school called Warren Day School. It was a giant pink house, like Pepto-Bismol pink. Whew, right? I used to buy comics from the comic book store downtown Warren. I used to walk around down there. Like, I'm about Warren. I'm passionate about Warren. But this is Cortland. If you live here, you need to get passionate about the city God's planted you in. Because there's nearly 7,000 people that call Cortland home. Not including the fringe of like the early parts of Warren, parts of Halland, and all the other little spaces that need the gospel of Jesus. And guess who God's specifically ordained to share that message and invite people? All of us, right? So I was once broken. I was once lost. I was once forgotten. My, my mom, who is an incredible, incredible woman, she's probably my hero, had to work 70, 80 hours a week just to make ends meet my dad during their divorce emptied their joint bank account. My mom and I started over with literally nothing. So she had to work, so I would come home after school, and I would be by myself until 10, 11 at night till she could get home. Not her fault. She had to do what she had to do to make ends meet. We had to live, right? And in that, I found the Lord. I got saved at Warren First Assembly when I was 11 years old. I was the kid that got dropped off on Wednesday night for youth group, had to find a ride home because uh, work schedule wouldn't permit it. So I I always had to bum a ride home. I was the kid that showed up Sunday morning by himself, and I would come back Sunday night by himself because I fell in love with Jesus, and I didn't know anything else to do. But there are people in your city, whether they have a similar story to mine or not, that need the parable of the lost son moment. They need that church that's filled with compassion that says, come on in. Come on, and they need you when you go to your workplaces on Monday or Tuesday. Amen, right? They need you to say, you know what? Hey, I got a great church you can come be a part of. It's right downtown Kinsman. I know you live close. Why don't you, why don't you meet me there Sunday at 10? We'll worship Jesus together. What, you're going through something? All oh, what? Our stories are so close. Why don't we share Why don't we get some coffee together and talk about them? That's the beautiful opportunity that Jesus has invited us to be a part of. We get to be a part of somebody's redemption story. We get to be a part of somebody's turnaround. We get to be a part of, hey, let's throw a party because you were once lost, but guess what? Now you're found. That's the beautiful thing that Jesus has created for us to do. So I want to tell you this morning that we all have a part to play. There's a slide that says Ephesians verse four, uh, uh, chapter 4 verse 16 says this, and I want you to get it. It says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by with what every joint supplies. What that means is that we are knitted together, although individuals, we all have a part to play because we are all supplying for the entity of the message of the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom. I want to further that this morning with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me bring it up. Technology, there we go. Because I want to tell you that we are one body with many parts, right? But we are one church with many locations. Listen to this. Just as a body, this is verse 12, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, just think of giant eye, right? Where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Verse 19 says, if they were all one part, where would the body be? Verse 20 says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. I love the church because it brings individuals and diversity together with gifts that God wants to use. I need you to understand this morning that you're gifted, you're gifted, you're gifted, you're gifted. You all have something to bring to the table. God's uniquely created you. You ask me to build you a house, the house will fall over. But I know people who can look at a piece of land and they can figure out how to build a house in minutes. Right? You give me a Pinterest project, it's never gonna look like it's supposed to. And if it does, it's going to take me three times the money and three times the amount of time. We just put a swing set together for my kids. I I will never do that again. Parts and pieces are are in, in, you think you're going to have extra parts left over and you don't and you're like, how do I make this work, right? But there are people I know that are good at that stuff. I talk for a living. And there are people that if I gave a microphone to, they would be terrified and pass out. Because we're all gifted differently. And that's the beauty of when we come together to form what is called the body. You know, the idea of church in the New Testament, when when Jesus formed the church, although this is is okay in its context, this was not necessarily the picture uh, of what Jesus meant. uh, Because the word Jesus used was ecclesia, which implies a, really, it's a military term, honestly, and it's this mobilizing force that advances and reaches a common goal. And that's what Jesus implied when, when he formed the church and said, The gates of hell shall never prevail against it. So as I wrap up this morning, I want to challenge you to begin asking the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, What is it that I bring to the table that will advance the mission and vision of Rock of Grace in Cortland so that we can see people lost come to Christ? And the second thing I want to give you a moment to reflect upon as Pastor Dave plays is maybe you're sitting in here and you have lost loved ones. Maybe you have family. Maybe you have close friends that Maybe they once knew Christ, but they've walked away, or maybe they've never known Christ. Maybe they, would grow up, they grew up in church, you know, they were the youth group kid, whatever. Today, when we close, we're going to pray that God begin to stir the hearts of not just our lost loved ones, but the people of this city and its surrounding areas, that they would be drawn to a place that brings them hope, a place that talks about Jesus and the transformative power of the gospel and a community that they can belong to and partner with for the ups and downs of life. So as Pastor Dave plays, I want you to think about those two things. What am I bringing to the table that helps me advance the gospel in this city? And maybe you have lost loved ones or lost friends that you know need Christ. I want you to mention them by name as you're talking to God. Pastor Dave's gonna play. We're gonna stay at our seats and I want you to have that reflective moment. And then we're gonna close together this morning. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you for letting me share with you. We've been a part of Rock Grace for about six weeks now and we love, we've loved every minute of it. We're excited for what God's doing and gonna do in Warren in the coming months and years. But I gotta tell you, I'm just as excited about what God's doing in Cortland. This is an incredible opportunity, incredible location, incredible campus, campus pastor. Be a part. Get here every Sunday and you know what? Bring somebody with you. Fill this room. Let it be so filled they gotta go to two services. Let it get so full we gotta go to three services. Let it get so full that we gotta step back and say, it's probably time we get a bigger building. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. But that happens when we come together with our gifts, our talents, and we start reaching people and bringing them into a home. Father, this morning, I thank you for this incredible group, this incredible church, this campus, the leadership here, Father, the heart that's here, for the vision of Transforming Trumbull, 10 churches, 10 years, for our lead pastor, Jordan Beale, this morning. Lord, and I pray for every person sitting here within the sound of my voice, that, Father, you would stir them up with insight into what are they bringing to the table what gift are they bringing to the table that's helping move this mission forward, this vision forward, that's helping advance the gospel? Lord, stir them up. Give them such a passion that it wakes them up at night that they can't sleep, that they're just so overcome and overwhelmed by it. Lord, and for every person in here that says, I have lost loved ones, I have people in my life and in my family, uh, and maybe that's co-workers, whatever it is that, that have either walked away from the Lord or have never met him, Lord, we just call them in today by name. We just declare that those that are lost, we, we call them prodigals, they're coming home. Because there's a church with a message of hope and there's people who are empowered that are going to invite, that are going to share. Or for every lost loved one, we just say, you're coming home today. That's why we planted a church in Corley because there was people that needed to come home. So we call them in today, Father God. Bring us peace. Let us know, Father, that you work on our behalf, that you're moving, that our prayers are being heard. Father, your word says that the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avails much, which means that those those prayers are not in vain. So, Lord, we just declare you're helping us today, and we love you. We honor you as we celebrate our freedoms in our 4th of July. Lord, as we eat some hot dogs and some burgers, In Jesus' name, we said, amen. Guys, I love you so much. Thank you for letting me share. Before I turn this back over, uh, if you participated in the bingo and uh, and you got five in a row, hopefully I said everything. If I didn't, come see me. I'll make sure I say it. Uh, Come see my wife and myself, and we got some prizes for you.
0: Uh, Before we do that, can we just pray over uh, Pastor Andrew and his family? He's like, why is he so loud? I'm a loud person in general. You all know that, though. So, but if you could just stay where you are. Pastor Dave, if you just want to join us on stage as we just pray for Pastor Andrew and Monica, and your kids want to come on up, they're welcome too. But it's just where you're at, if you could just join us in extending your hands, we just pray over them, what God has called them, because it is so clear. That God has called them to do something incredible in Warren. That Holy Spirit, we just thank you for the Pitts family, the calling that you have placed upon their lives to go and reach the place that made him, the place that helped him grow into the, the follower of Jesus that you have designed him to be, the pastor, the leader, the dad, the husband that you have designed him to be, that you have called him to a unique place such as Warren, Ohio, to be a presence, to be a voice, to be a light in the darkness in your name, that you continue to even now, just empower them, allow them to experience you in new and incredible ways that they can wholeheartedly hear your voice, that it can be so overwhelming, that it can be so clear, that as they go through the streets, as they make connections and build community within that city, that they're finding people that are saying, I wanna be a part of your mission. I wanna be a part of what you have in store. That God, you continue to pour blessing upon blessing over this family, that there is no foothold that the devil may have in store for them because God, we know you're gonna do something incredible at Warren, just like you're doing here at to just like you're doing a kinsman, that this can be done again in the city of Warren. Just bless them, God. Let them experience you. Let them not go through any troubles, no financial hardships, no challenges, God, but that you continue to use them and allow them to be a blessing to that city. Be with them as they continue to prepare until their launch day. In your name we pray. Everybody said Amen. amen. Well, hey, guys, have a very happy 4th of July, and hope to see many of you at our next worship night on Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.